Hey Hennes fans, this episode might contain scenes that include violence and sensitive details. Listener discretion is advised. Also, do remember to click on the notification bell to get reminded whenever we upload a new episode. Enjoy! Eleven murders, six attempted murders, and ten rape cases, all of whom were women. This is the true story of China's smiling killer who terrorized Inner Mongolia from April 1996 to July 2005. On May 20th, 2000, a man entered the Hohat city of Saihan district. A young girl, Si, aged 12, was walking around when she noticed the man. He had a small frame standing at 1.65 meters and looked lighter than 50 kilograms. But the girl noticed him for his eyebrows, which were curved in an exaggerated fashion, much like how a friendly cartoon character would have been portrayed. Very briefly, their eyes met in the crowd. She might have smiled at him before quickly heading home. Su knew that she wasn't even supposed to be out. Her parents would nag at her if they came back home to find her missing. As she reached the door, a shadow cast upon her and she quickly turned around. Oh, it's the man with the curved eyebrows. What can I help you with, uncle? She said. (coughs) My throat is dry. Could I just grab some tea at your place? Seeing as the weather was a cool and breezy 22 degrees, Su might have found this a strange request. Nonetheless, she still proceeded to open the door. Let me get that for you, uncle. The man sat down by the dining table and seemed to be looking around, his smiling eyebrows failing to convey a deep struggle within him. The girl returned with a small teacup and the man reached out with his left hand, using his thumb and index finger to pinch the cup for a drink. Do you want more? Si asked the man. Yes, yes I do. If you were Si, you might have noticed how tense the man's tone was. But again, Si was only 12 at the time, so she turned around to reach the teapot. Before falling face down on the ground, her hand slammed painfully on the floor. She could feel the weight of a heavy body over her and a lump pressing against her back. Su would have struggled violently in a desperate attempt to escape, but was unfortunately and tragically unsuccessful. Her body would later be discovered at a nearby water tank, lifeless and exhibiting clear indications of sexual assault. As for her assailant, he would have rummaged through Su's house before making his escape, disappearing into obscurity as the case ran cold. It would take five years in January 2005 before another victim was found. The smiling man, Zhao Zhihong, would go on a rampage before the authorities would catch him. This is Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by Mediacorp and produced by OneUp Media. Zhao Zhihong 
was born in 1972 in Yongsing Village, Liangcheng County, an area within the Inner Mongolia region. He was born a middle child with an elder brother and a younger sister. Since young, there was a dichotomy that existed within Zhao Zhihong's life. While he seemed well-read, having fallen in love with books at a young age, he wouldn't graduate from school. Instead, he followed in his father's footsteps to do technical work, eventually striking it out on his own as a coolie worker in construction sites. On occasion, he would also do carpentry work. Zhao Zhihong could have perceived himself as well-read, even intelligent, but he had little opportunity to display it. That was until 1995, when he was 23 years of age and was introduced to a partner by his parents. Both Zhihong and the girl were smitten, and the very next day after their blind date, they decided to marry. When interviewed, Zhihong claimed that his then-wife loved him for his smarts, as she was illiterate herself. But a marriage so quick could hide some fault lines, and Zhihong soon discovered that his darling wife was actually a divorcee who had given birth to a child before. In most countries, divorcees have a certain type of stigma attached to them. But in the East, divorces are almost taboo. A lot of the stigma stems from the collectivist nature, which assumes that a married couple should prioritize the family over their individual wants. A divorcee is thus deviant of cultural expectations. But it would hardly seem a good enough reason for what Zhihong was about to do and become. He started feeding his lustful temptations by visiting Jining District in Ulankarp City and began an extramarital affair with a kindergarten teacher. And in 2000, he would rape and murder a 12-year-old girl under the pretense of drinking tea. Across the years, he would have many other affairs which sources would attribute to his smart tongue and his friendly face. But by 2005, his demons would again demand the same relief as it did in 2000. On the 2nd of January 2005, a taxi driver by the name of Chen was driving by the middle school in Jining District, Ulankarp City, when she spotted a man waving. He had a kind face and eyebrows that were almost smiling. It was Zhihong. The man entered. Could you bring me to the west side in the town of Chaha? They began driving till the road ended. In front, Chen could only see a dirt road before she drove carefully forward. The sounds of the city had faded away. Could we stop? Zhihong said. Let's just stop moving and relax. Chen could sense tension in the air. Weird. Could you accompany me at the back of the taxi? Zhihong asked. From her rearview mirror, Chen could tell that something was wrong. Beneath his smiling eyebrows, he looked almost hungry. Come to the back, Zhihong said. With apprehension and against her better judgment, Chen made her way to the back seat to acquiesce Zhihong's strange request. The smiling killer, with a telephone wire in hand, would strike again. Korean True Crime is a monthly true crime podcast that pieces together suspenseful and enthralling cases about the horrors lurking in South Korea. 
follow the case of an American teacher killed in her own apartment, or listen to the latest episode about one of Korea's deadliest arson attacks. Korean True Crime can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Back in Pingdi Kwan Township, a group of villagers were having a walk in the farmlands when they heard someone scream. It turned out to be a lifeless corpse that was found in a rubbish pit. The police identified semen stains, signs of rape, and asphyxiation via a rope-like murder weapon. They found the lifeless body of Chen. In the police station of Ulankap City, a small team was assembled and they were scrambling to make sense of Chen's death. That was when a lady ran in, exasperated, and her clothes soiled. I've been raped! The police officers would bring her in, take down a statement, which she recalled in excruciating detail. Most importantly, she told them the car plate number. Using the stolen taxi of Chen, Zhu Hong would find his next victim hours later, in the time after he had raped Chen. I know you're scared and tired, the officer said to the lady, but I've brought in a sketch artist. Could you describe to us how he looks? Sure. The lady was shaking. Let's start with his parabolic smiling eyebrows. By sheer luck, Zhi Hong did not murder his victim, who would have an impressive memory of the incident. But despite her vivid recollection, the sheer size of Ulan Kap, an area 55 times that of Singapore, would have made finding Zhi Hong a near impossibility. And with the smiling killer on the attack, what the authorities needed wasn't just luck, but also a miracle. Within the next two months, two more women were found dead, all with similar causes of death. But because Zhu Hong seemed so consistent in his methods, it allowed the team to match unresolved rape cases to these three murders. By piecing together all the different statements and descriptions, they managed to create a cohesive portrait of how Zhu Hong looked, which was disseminated to the public with a 200,000 yuan reward. Back at the police station, the environment was tense. They've got a serial killer and rapist on the loose. The phone rang. Hello? I would like to report on the recent portrait I saw. He reminds me of this man who goes by Hong Hong. He was arrested for theft before. The police scrambled through their records on theft and ran a fingerprint match within their files. And they couldn't believe it. The smiling man's record was within their database and it was a 100% match. We've got him! On October 23rd, 2005, the smiling killer Zhao Zhihong was caught. In the 34 days that followed, a wave of relief washed over Inner Mongolia. It was announced 
that the serial rapings and murders had come to an end and the killer had been caught. Notably, Zhao Zhihong's unassuming frame was a recurring point raised by the media, with him standing at just over 1.65 meters and weighing under 50 kilograms. It was also thus assumed that his choice of victims reflected his cowardice, knowing full well that he could hardly overpower anyone easily. But while the news outlets were covering his four most recent murders, the police were left unsettled in the confession room. Zhihong, what did you say? The officer was keeping his cool. I... I murdered 27 people. Everyone was quiet. I murdered 27 people in the past 10 years. My first was in 1996. I'll show you, but you might want to bring a map of the place in 1996. The officers handcuffed Zhihong and brought him down to Hohot, Shandan community. The community in 2005 is vastly different from when it was in 1996. Many residential buildings have been replaced by bungalow-type housing with iron fences separating individual properties akin to neighbourhoods in western parts of the world. What did remain, however, was the cigarette factory and some office buildings that reflected industrialization at the time. Now, I can't remember the exact day that it happened, Zhihong said as they were heading back down. But I remember for a fact where it happened. He led them down towards a row of residential buildings before pointing to one of them. Back in 1996, there was a large bungalow that sat beside this office building. Between them was a public toilet, Zhihong recounted. A police officer with the map headed over to the detective. Hey, it matches the 1996 layout of the place. The detective nodded, then waited as an old resident was ushered towards him. This is Zhao Liping, the police officer accompanying, introduced. Liping recalls where the crime happened 10 years ago as well. Liping raised her fingers and pointed to the exact same spot that Zhihong was pointing at. The detective nodded before asking, Do you remember what the case was? Yeah, it was that poor girl. She died in the public toilet. The police knew exactly what case this was. Back in 1996, a high-profile case occurred in the area where a lady was found dead in one of the toilet stalls. At the time, the body was reported by two local residents, Hook Jelly Tu and Yen Feng. But controversially, after investigations by the police, it was actually Hook Jelly Tu who was found guilty of the crime. Fueling this was the fact that lead detective Feng Zhiming and his team were hailed as heroes for swiftly putting away the man responsible for such a heinous crime. They were awarded the second-class merit and were hailed as the magic detectives by the media. No, it cannot be. The detective was puzzled. Zhihong's smiling eyebrows couldn't hide what the media reported as a mixture of guilt, fear, 
pride, and narcissism. You know what this means, right? Zhi Hong said. The police were in disbelief. The wrong man was sentenced to death. In the next episode, we'll learn the tragedy that surrounded Hook Jile Tu's family in 1996, and the many other confessions that made Zhi Hong one of the most notorious murderers in China. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by OneUp Media. If you would like to share some feedback or suggest other cases that you would like us to cover, you can reach out to us via email at heinous at oneupmediapodcast.com or through our Instagram or TikTok page at heinous underscore oneupmedia. This episode of Heinous was researched, produced, and written by Yeo Guangjin with audio engineering by Ethan Sam. Special thanks as well to executive producers Danny Cordy and Barry Toh from MediaCorp. We hope to see you again soon in the next episode of Heinous.